Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 312, and I had a conversation with Cooper Shaw. She, I met Cooper when I took two dialect classes from her at the Second City here in Los Angeles. She's a dialect coach, an actor, director, writer, author, and playwright, and I loved my classes that I took with her. I learned so much, and I found her really interesting and intriguing, and so I was very excited when she agreed to be on the show. I think you're going to get a kick out of this. We talk about her upbringing, what drew her into her career path, and she does a whole thing where she goes through different accents, so you can hear how she can move through accents. It's really cool. The usual stuff, Hey Human Podcast, can be found on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find my personal social media under Susan Ruthism on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can email me, Susan, at heyhumanpodcast.com. If you head over to heyhumanpodcast.com, you're going to find a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, there are all the old episodes of Hey Human that you may not be able to see on iTunes. Some of the platforms only allow 300 to be shown at a time, but they're on the website, the official website. You can find every episode that I have put out. You'll also find a links page. Everybody who is on the show as a guest gets a section for the links page where their social media resides, if they've written books or if they're in performances or things that we've talked about or articles or, you know, any of that stuff, you're going to find that the things we discuss will show up there on the links page. So definitely check that out. Uh, There is a store where you can find Hey Human merch, t-shirts, pens, book bags, that kind of thing. Definitely check that out. It helps support the show. Another great way to support the show is to rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That uh, really pushes that old algorithm. You can also show your support by hitting the contribute button. If you like what you hear and you want to keep Hey Human ad-free, please check that out. Uh, Every bit helps and I really appreciate it. A YouTube channel exists, Official Susan Ruth. You can go there and see various videos. And if you go to SusanRuth.com, you'll find a mailing list and interviews with me that I've done as the interviewee and uh, stuff about my art and my music and all different kinds of things, whatever I'm working on in the moment. Speaking of music, if you want to listen to music I have written, albums I've put out, Find me on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, under Susan Ruth. My last record I put out was called All I Ever Wanted Was Everything. So definitely check that out, too. All right, that's about it uh, for the usual stuff. And let's just get into the episode, shall we? Thank you for listening. Be safe. Be well. Be kind. Take care of each other. Here we go. Cooper Shaw, welcome to Hey Human. Uh, Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yay! I have not seen you since Second City. Yeah. It's been a minute. Which, that's that's been a minute and a half, right? Mm -hmm. That was, I mean, you know, pre-pandemic, so. (laughs) And maybe even another minute before that, right? I want to say, I did Second City the first, 
in the first six, seven months I lived in LA, which was, uh-huh. I had the wherewithal to move to a new city right before a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Good planning. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. But I, right. uh, from you at second city, I took the accents yeah. classes and I had yeah. a blast and I just thought, wow, what a fascinating job, first of all. And what an interesting life, you know, to go on set and to help people prepare for roles and all that stuff. So I thought, you know what? I got to get Cooper on the show. Oh, cool. And here we are. Here we are. (laughs) I like to start off with where you came from, how you came up. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, um, right smack in the Midwest. and uh, basically in the suburbs of St. Louis. I'm a suburban chick. Um, and uh, Accent? No accent. Accent. Well, I, had, I didn't know that I had an accent uh, <laughs> uh, when I was growing up and when I was in school um, until I went to uh, graduate school for acting and my voice instructors there really had to really had to like drill it out of me like what i think the um i remember one of my voice professors in grad school saying to me uh the voice does not match the body is the phrase that i remember him saying to me and i was like did not make sense i didn't get what he was saying um (laughs) but he put it to me like you are you're too tall to have such a small voice. So I guess at the time I kind of, I went into school kind of talking a little bit more, a little bit higher pitched and a little bit more like, well, yeah, like everything was like, um, so, I mean, I'm over exaggerating it, I'm sure now, but um, that was what was uh, pointed out to me was the voice does not match the body. And I was like, what do you mean? And he says, and this was in New York that I was going to grad school. So he said, when you go home for the holidays and you're around your family, just really listen to people's voices and sort of, you know, see if you can pay attention to their physical stature as well as what the voice is and just all of these things. And for some reason, it really just like blew things wide open for me. I was like, what? Yeah, the stuff you never notice suddenly is right in front of your face. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, when you're growing really. up around everyone that has the same voice, you don't have an accent. You just sound like everyone else. And the other exactly. people have an accent. <laughs> right, right, right. It's everyone else that has the accent, not me. What are you talking about? Yeah. Right? It's um, like that old joke. What do they call Chinese food in China? Food. <laughs> food, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Totally. Was growing up, did you grow up in a big family, little family? Were they demonstrative and theater or more chill? Well, I grew up in, um, I'm, I have two older brothers. I'm the youngest of three. Um, and uh, I think like everyone in the family definitely has a goofball sort of streak, like kind of wacky senses of humor, but everyone's sense of humor is like slightly different. Like my dad had definitely more of the slapstick sort of humor or my mom's humor is a little bit more subdued and a little bit more like kind of deadpan but um and but everyone was very always very much into storytelling like anytime any of the big family gatherings um would happen and this is with extended family like 
you know, the mashbucha, as we say, right? Like the extended family network of people that are not really related to, but you're related, but you're not really related, but you know, um, all of them were really just amazing storytellers. So it was just something I always grew up around and people telling jokes and stories and, um, you know, all of that. Um, but I'm the only performer in the family. So did they um, encourage that in you? Not at first. <laughs> not at first. I think at first it was more, uh, you know, you're really good at math. Why don't you go into engineering? Or, um, you know, when you think about being a psychologist, I think it was my dad was a psychologist. So he was kind of a, a big sort of supporter of that. Um, and uh, my mom at one point, because when I was really little, I think I must have been <laughs> a little opinionated because I can remember having discussions with my mom when I was younger where I thought we were just discussing something. But <laughs> I just remember my mom frequently saying to me, man, you'd be a great lawyer. <laughs> she should uh, just like, <laughs> she should be a lawyer. Um, That's parents before you're very annoying. <laughs> Right, right, <laughs> totally. It's like, just do what I say. Exactly. Just stop the discussion already. So, um, but I think it was once they saw me in my first play, they both came up to me afterwards and said, no, just keep doing what you're doing. Mm. So at that point, it, they became very supportive. So, yeah. Well, and considering the path you took, I would argue that you are one part psychologist. It's really true. It's, re I mean, yeah. Yeah, a lot, um, a lot in so far as a being an actor, yes, um, and and also coaching actors and coaching uh, both the accents and the acting. It's like it's a lot of it's a lot of psychology that goes on with it. When did you realize that you had an aptitude for the accents? Interesting question. You know. People ask me this question, and I feel like I need to be better at answering it. Um, I've always done accents, like ever since I was a little bitty kid, I've always played around with them, um, and just because they were fun. And I think when I was really little, my my grandmother was from Brooklyn. So, and she lived here in St. Louis with us. So, um, uh, so I was hearing the Brooklyn accent from the time I was a super little kid. And then her really close friends, she had several close friends who were from Poland. So I was hearing the Polish accent when I was a very young person. Um, and then, uh, and from then I think I just was always listening to, oh, this is a new person. How does this new person speak? Here's another new person. How does this new person speak? Um, but I think it wasn't until I got into undergrad and I was doing my bachelor's in theater, um, and we were started learning about the international phonetic alphabet and all the, all the, you know, symbols that are used to sort of put a code to the sounds that your mouth creates. And it's also referred to as IPA. And I always make the really bad joke that it's not the beer. IPA stands for the International Phonetic Alphabet. IPA is a whole system of symbols 
that correspond to the sounds that your mouth creates. So there are different symbols that, that some of them kind of look like the actual alphabet that we are familiar with, but some of them look quite different. Um, so they're not, they don't necessarily correspond to the alphabet that as we know it, like when we're putting letters together to create words, it's a whole different set of symbols that corresponds to what is the actual sound that your mouth is making and where in your mouth does that sound place itself and all of those things. Um, and it's fascinating and it's very expansive. Um, it covers every possible sound you could think of. Um, and I think it's always developing too, because new discoveries are always being made about the human sounds um, and all of that. So when I was in undergrad uh, and I was studying theater, I started to learn about the IPA and got so fascinated by it and then started to realize, oh, this is a, a method by which these accents can then be taught to other people. I was like, what? Because oh. <laughs> I think up until that point, I had always been just such a great mimic that I just figured, oh, people just listen to each other and mimic what they're hearing. That's like the moment you discovered the mathematics of it. Right. Yeah. It's a really great way to say it. It is. There is like, you know, mathematics to it, right? Like, like once you realize that X equals whatever X equals, it will equal that whenever you come up on it. So it's like, oh, cool. And then you get to become like a little bit of a detective. Like, oh, no, no, that's so cool. Anyway, <laughs> I get, I geek out over it and I get super I love excited it. by it. Yeah, so, um, uh, so that was that. So I think that was when I first started to realize, oh, okay, I guess I'm kind of not too bad at doing these things. Um, and then also when I was in undergrad, I got cast in a production of The Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby, I think is the entire title of the show. And it was a two-parter, like uh, like Angels in America is a two-parter. So there was, you know... Um, I thought you meant got, the title was a two-parter because it took so long. Um, no, no, it's a two-part. It is. There's Nicholas Nickleby part one, and then people go away, <laughs> and then they come back for part two. It was like a six-hour something experience. Um, so I got cast as this character in Nicholas Nickleby named Peg Sliderskew. Great name. Right. And Peg Sliderskew uh, was from Scotland. So like I had to learn a Scottish accent and I more or less taught it to myself because at the time I didn't know about dialect coaches. <laughs> I just knew that I was in this theater program and they told me to learn a Scottish accent. So great, I'm gonna learn a Scottish accent. Um, and we, so I did, I was super nervous about it. I learned it. Um, apparently you know well enough for the director to say sure sounds great um did the show and I just remember this is another moment when I realized oh I must not be awful at doing accents a couple of people came up to me after one of our performances and in Scottish accents asked me where I was from that's high praise and I said, I'm from St. Louis. And they both just went, what? And then I realized they were from Scotland. 
and thought that I was from their neighborhood. They were like, where did you grow up? We must have grown up in the same area. How do we not? And I was like, what? Anyway, yeah, I was shocked and also really I just thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, wow, I guess I'm pretty good at this. I'm going to keep doing it because it's awesome. <laughs> Did that give you the the bell so, to think, oh, I'm going to deep dive into this so much that I'll be able to seamlessly shift from person to person and and get all these accents down? You know what I mean? Like to, to say, oh, wow, this is really my calling, even on top oh. of the acting. No. <laughs> It didn't happen then. It's really weird. Um, one would think it would have happened then. It didn't. Um, when did it happen that I realized this was like the thing? I think it wasn't really until I got into grad school um, that I started. And we had to take official dialect classes in graduate school. Um, and that professor was one of the kindest one of the kindest people at that school at a time, I think, when, you know, an MFA in acting is, <laughs> it's a very sensitive time. Like, it's very sensitive, you know, it's very sensitive work that we do as actors. And I think if you're going through a, a Stanislavski method program um, it, at a challenging time in one's life, um, it's kind of difficult to navigate through those things and, and get harsh feedback from instructors who don't know how to be sensitive. It's a very raw expression. Of- <laughs> it's a very raw expression. And this professor was just so kind and so supportive that I think I took to it also because I really took to her as a, as a human. Um, and, uh, and I also happened to be doing really well in the class and really loving it. And um, uh, I can remember asking her at that point, how did you get to be a dialect coach? Like, how did, how did you do this? Like, cause she was coaching for various movies and TV shows as well as being our professor. And uh, I don't, at, at this moment, I don't think she had a direct answer for it or at that time in my life I didn't really process whatever the answer was that she had until <laughs> I'm all over the place right now oh, I'm I love so it. sorry my brain is no. going like oh and then there was this and then there was this no no, no no this is how conversation works this is my favorite thing so it's all good so uh you're so sweet so um so I think it wasn't until what was it years later I was coaching acting and I was also still doing accents, but as an actor, I was doing accents. I wasn't yet coaching them <laughs> until I moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> and people that I was meeting started to hear from other people that I was good at doing accents and that I had quite a few on my resume as an actor. And um, would I teach them how to do such and such? And I called my dialect professor from grad school and I said to her, I was like, people are starting to ask me to like do this. What's the missing piece? Like, am I missing a link in my chain of like things? Do I need to have, like, how do I, is this something I can really do? And she says, yes, do it. (laughs) 
just do it. She's like, you have the skills, you know, all this stuff, just start doing it. Um, so that was kind of in a roundabout circuitous sort of way. Uh, it just happened to be that that was the work that a lot of people started to come and ask me to do. Mm. Um, because they were hearing from other people that I was really decent at doing it. Uh, so I just kind of started saying yes to those opportunities as they were coming along and then realized, oh, right, this was a thing that I've always really loved doing. And oh, right, this was a thing that so many years ago, somebody else said, we thought you were from Scotland. <laughs> like, and this is a thing that, oh, so many years ago, you know, is a very roundabout sort of way but yeah um like the universe having kind of the plan funny ways of right <laughs> right yeah. funny yeah. ways of kind of like letting you go down whatever path you think you're gonna go down and then reminding you hey <laughs> hey remember this other thing oh right yeah what brought yeah. you to LA over staying in New York well seeing television and movie towns and play towns I would think New York more than yeah, honestly, New York got too expensive. <laughs> uh, have you been to California? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, but New York got too expensive, uh, and I didn't want to have to have roommates anymore. I, I get that. I always say um, New York is too expensive for the weather not being sunny every day. So if you're going to be right. poor, it better be sunny. <laughs> right, right. Um and that, so that was a little bit of it was I knew that like that like my rent was always going up and always going up and I kind of just had was at this crossroads where I was like um like I'm either gonna look for another apartment that I know I'm barely gonna be able to afford or maybe take a break from New York and see where do I feel like going after that um and so that, that was kind of it was it just got too expensive and uh, kind of felt like in trying to survive, I wasn't, I don't know, I was losing track of myself in the process. Like, you know. Mm -hmm. Talk us through, me and the listeners, the, yeah. how, what, you, what the process is when somebody comes to you and says, I have this role, I need to, to have an accent how do you what do you do to prepare them for something oh yeah that's a good question um there's a lot that goes into it so for me it's first what is the general region of the accent um and then getting more specific like is there uh is it First of all, how much time do we have to prepare the thing? <laughs> um, I imagine on a movie, you have a little bit, right? Of time, right? Yeah, on a movie, you have a little bit of time, um, and a, a TV series also time. Um, and so we look at first general region, and then we look at specific region, and then we look at who is this character, who is this person, um, and then we build sort of the psychology behind it as well. So. Um, playing around also with uh, educational level uh, what you know uh what is this person's emotional life like uh you know what do we know about them as a as a human as well as where they grew up and and all of those things feed into it too 
I would yeah. imagine too, let's say a character is actually what would call maybe a lowbrow English accent, quote unquote, but they're trying to infiltrate highbrow English society. And so, oh, yeah. so that's a layer of accent where yeah. you can do the, the fancy posh King's English, but that every once in a while, maybe there's a little wink at the underbelly, you know? Yeah. Those are super fun accents to help people build is those multi-layered sort of this is how this person is when they're behind closed doors but they have their public persona and then their private persona and those are super fun things to layer in yeah which is the most complicated accent for you the most challenging one combination of accents that i've had and there's like this sort of grouping that i really spend continue to spend a lot of time on um is and there it's real easy to switch lanes between these accents is that so there's the, the south african versus the australian versus the new zealand like if i'm not real careful about which lane i'm trying to go in it's real easy to flip from one to the other is it because they're so close? There are a lot, for my instrument, there are a lot of sounds that are similar. Um, I feel like the uh, South Africans have more of a ooey, ooh sound and stuff, like a longer, I don't know, like they're, they say yeah. a harder sound and a. Yeah, it's got a lot of, a, um, a lot more Dutch influence to it. So like the, the cadence of it is tricky and uh, it's just there's those are those are tricky ones that i still uh, am decoding and and making sure they're not quite uh in my back pocket that i can't just trot them out and like show them off just yet but what's your favorite <laughs> um well i mean i love the french accent so many levels i love the french accent irish accent um Scottish, of course, like <laughs> my my old standby, uh, and then any manner of English accents. Those are those are my like my handful of of ones that I love. So. Yeah, when I took classes from you, great classes. You're a great teacher, by the oh, way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You were fun, but you were also clearly knew what you were talking about, and was you were very determined to help us. Always good in a teacher, you know. Nice. Thank so, you. That means a lot. Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you went through a thing that you did with us where you, you went through many of your accents in one fell swoop. Would you be, oh. so people can hear the, the change outs and stuff. I'm putting you on the spot. I know, but it's so I know. Cool. I had a feeling this was going to happen. I know. Too, Cause I'm a little <laughs> bitch. <aren't> I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I loved it so much. Yeah. I can okay. do that. Great. And I just think people listening would get a kick out of it. Um, yeah, let's see. What do we want to? What do we want to say? I don't know. Your uh, choice. Whatever makes you most comfortable. Since I put you on the spot. Um, well, I suppose I could just start talking and then randomly switch every now and then. Um, so let's see. I grew up in St. Louis, but I've already said that. Um, and um, um. That sounds like Ooh. highbrow English, yeah. A bit, a bit yeah, <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite, quite, quite highbrow. 
successfully. Um, so, um, and then we start to move a little bit more away from that. It's not quite so highbrow, um, but still a bit, bits of it in there. Um, and then we start to go a little bit more towards Dublin a bit. And, uh, and then we start to go a bit more towards Scotland, just a little bit. And uh, that's great. <laughs> that's my catchphrase for the Scottish. Um, and then let's see what else. Uh, we'll go now to uh, ah, we'll go uh, to do the, the the French accent a little, uh, <laughs> and uh, for the French, I like to talk about uh, uh, eating a, a, a lot of cheese and uh, drinking wine, and uh, it is a, a, a lot of fun. Uh, for me to do this accent, uh, but uh, <laughs> and then we go over to uh, do a Brooklyn a little bit. Um, also the Brooklyn accent, I have a fun story about that one. Can I sidebar into a story, please? Um, so I mentioned earlier my grandmother was from Brooklyn, and uh, she used to answer the phone at our house when I was a little kid. <laughs> And she would she would answer the phone by saying our last name, Shaw. So she'd say, instead of saying Shaw's, she would answer the phone and she would say, Shaw's. <laughs> and I can just remember from being this really little kid hearing my grandmother answer the phone going, Shaw's. Sure. And I always thought it was so fantastic. I was like, Grandma, what is that? She's like, what are you talking about? I don't know. What is what? <laughs> Say it again, say it again. Shaws. <laughs> so I used to walk around imitating her a lot when I was a kid. Was a lot I imagine New York would be an incredible place to hear all the different accents. Truly just walking down one singular street. You hear about oh, yeah. accents as you go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and the fascinating thing about that, when I first moved there, I wasn't hearing any New York accents at all. And I was any like, you know, New York accents, the stereotypical New York accent, because I realized there are a lot of transplants, like a lot of people who had moved there from elsewhere. So like I wasn't hearing, <laughs> I was really searching for it too. Um, and then I went to the beach on Long Island with my brother. And there was the guy, you know, the vendor on the beach walking along, selling the stuff. And I just heard him say, ice cream, soda, water. <laughs> and I just like, I lost it. I slapped my brother in the arm. I was like, Rich, Rich, Rich. He just said, water. <laughs> my brother was like, you are so weird. What's what is wrong on? with you? Watching you move from accent to accent that really strikes me. And what I learned, obviously, in class, too, was to, to see how different the, the tongue and lips move depending. Oh, yeah. And yeah. even whether it's nasal or far back in your throat or more chesty. Yeah. Right. It's a it's a really great thing to notice, too, because it is very much it's a part of your physicality like the voice is a part of your body so there are different postures and you know the sound resonates in different areas so moving the mouth differently in order to get that in place yeah 
And I would figure that as well for any actor that has to take on an accent that it actually informs the character that much more because of that, because they're, they're, we don't really think about it, right? We just talk. We don't think about where our faces are or how our lips and tongues move or anything like that. And that when you are taking on a whole other accent, how it shapes everything about you. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, cool. It's really, it's really very cool, isn't it? It's like putting on a mask. It is. It is. Absolutely. Or a prosthetic, you know, being yeah. a prosthetic. Tell me about the acting coaching you do, just the general coaching. Yeah, general acting coaching. Um, I, uh, well, I think I mentioned earlier, I got my MFA at, in the Stanislavski method. Which is, uh, for people that don't which, know, for people that don't know is basically just another way of engaging your imagination to give you another entry way into the material to help kind of personalize the material. Um, and here's where I get on my high horse about it. Uh, the Stanislavski method, which is also commonly referred to as the method gets a bad rap. (laughs) Um, a lot of people think that it's the, uh, that method actors are the ones that have to live in the role all the time or, you know, like really do things that are 100% that character. It's not really, it's not really what it is. Um, That's one way to go about it, but that's not really what it is. Uh, It's really just building your toolbox as an actor. And just, if you're not getting immediately what you feel like you would need just from the text, then you have other tools in your box, in your toolbox that can help you get to it. So um, so that's kind of what I do is uh, I am like uh, a go-to person to help with script analysis, uh, personalizing text, um, letting go of the anxiety that can get in the way of just bringing your own core self to a piece of work. Um, it's a lot of what I end up doing with people is just talking through like what, what's blocking the work at that moment. Um, and, uh, audition prep, if it's specific audition prep that needs to be done, we do that. Um, and so I have a a wide variety of people that come to me for regular lessons and people come to me for audition specific stuff. Um, and on set acting coaching. And do a bit of that as well, which, which I, I don't think people no. realize every actor, all the big actors, they all have coaches that are on set with them, helping them through particular, all the, the biggest actors, the Oscar winners do it even. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love doing, I mean, like can't even, I feel like, I feel like I just keep saying, I love my work so much, but I do like, I love, I love it. Love it uh, so much. Um, and you know, just helping people figure things out and, you know, it's just really amazing to see the transformation that happens in the collaboration that happens to get to that transformation is really kind of magical. In method acting, would you say it's more the, let's say Susan, me goes into Mm -hmm. a role Mm-hmm. playing Tammy Faye Baker. Well, let's pick a, actually a fictionist, a fiction person. I'm playing mm-hmm. Barbara 
from New sure. Brunswick. Uh, and when I go to be Barbara from New Brunswick, do I need Susan to go away and be put into a little box or does Susan have to figure out how to meld with Barbara? How do mm. how does that work exactly? So the way that I approach it is finding similarities between Susan and Barbara <laughs> so that you don't ever put Susan away completely because you can't because you're always there. So it's about finding what is the essence of Susan that, that kind of walks side by side with Barbara and kind of, yeah. Mm. Yeah. What about in cases um, where a non-fictional character? Because then that that's such a specific, you can't really yeah. make that up. That's really, I, I no. feel like a lot of actors talk about how when they have fictional characters to play, they inform their own backstory. They think about where that character is coming from and what brought them to that point and all that. But when you're talking about somebody that really exists in the world, you yeah. really you don't have control over that. It's everything they've been through, every perception they've. And that's true. Know. That's true. Um, and then it's a lot of um, well, re research. It's a lot of research. But it's is a lot of research. Case, do you still have to do the walk side by side, or is that even less of a Susan voice if she's playing a Tammy Faye Baker? Well, you know that's an interesting question. I. My gut is to say that that's still going to be there. And what you're doing is you're finding ways that you can connect to those moments so that they can be, uh, you know, that you're portraying a real human who, and you're finding where does your humanity line up with that human's humanity mm. so that it doesn't feel so quote unquote put on. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to be um, instead of act. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. And you're just finding like a backdoor way into getting yourself to continue to be a uh, human. <laughs> uh, but just a slightly different human than who you are. Right. But it's right. still. It's an interesting way to look at it that we're all acting human. All, some of us more than others. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. <laughs> do you find that you are more uh, these days at least acting coach or dialect coach, or is it pretty neck and neck? It's pretty neck and neck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think what each month will it'll change from month to month, but um, it's 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 pretty neck and neck with maybe. Accents and dialects are maybe winning by a nose. <laughs> when you get hired but, on a on a project as the dialect coach for an actor, are you is that compensation through the studio that they they get make budgets for things like that, or do actors hire you outright, or does it just depend? I think it just depends. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I'm uh, more being hired directly by actors more so than uh studios um but it does depend for sure like what kind of budget do they have and yeah do they have dialect coaches built into their budget most of the big projects will have that um and then uh and then it'll you know, like i said it'll just depend but a lot of the work that's coming my way is individual actors who are coming to me yeah 
Yeah. And everything's opening up again, which is nice. Yeah. That's really nice. In theory. In theory. In yeah. theory. <laughs> I remember asking you in class and you didn't have an answer for me then. And it's been a couple of years now. So maybe oh. you have it now. What accent do you dream in? And do you switch out accents in your dreams? Wow. I'm sure that I do. Um, and I hear, I hear tons of different accents. I'm sure when I'm dreaming, um, I think it depends like what one accent am I super focused on at any given moment? Like if I'm on a project that then I dream in that project's accent, um, which is interesting. Um, or who am I spending a lot of time around at any given moment? If I'm spending a lot of time around, uh, I have this one very dear friend from undergrad who's from New Mexico, who, when I spend a lot of time around her, I start to pick up on her own, her accent. And I kind of start to speak like that a little bit. And then I dream in that accent as well. I'm trying so. to think of what the New Mexico accent is. Well, I think it's, it might be hers in particular. Um, <laughs> well, but I mean, I'm just trying to think of the, the cadence of that. Is this, I'm, I'm thinking I was just in New Mexico last year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember if anybody stuck out to me as far as, but then again, I'm from the Pacific Northwest. So I feel like it's not that far from, they're not that far from each other. Right. Basically. No, not, not, not really. Not really. I started but, school. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's no, you're fine. Go ahead. I uh, started school when I was five. I attended school in Cambridge, England. And when we were living there. I had a full on proper English accent. Right. We lived in Greece before that. I had, I spoke Greek with a Greek accent, which wow, is so yeah. interesting. Little kids, how they adapt like that and when i lived in the south in nashville yeah you pick up the yells and your your cadence slows and you start to to get all that down and i was just visiting kentucky and it took maybe 10 minutes of being in the car with the people that picked me up to the whole rest of the weekend i was yelling the hell out of everyone and am i lilting and speaking a little slower and just sort yeah. of you just fall into these cadences so yeah, quickly I think if you're, when you're little, if you're around a lot of different accents, mm -hmm. it makes it maybe easier. I maybe. think so. I, I think so. Um, but there are some people that are just minor birds that like you, who probably hear something and can sort of like hearing a concert piano playing thing and then sit down and just repeat it somehow. Just as some part of the brain lights yeah. up. and Yeah, I think that that's really true. Um, I do. I do think that that's really true. Um, like some people just have it sort of this ear, what I've been calling the ear brain. <laughs> I was like, I don't know where that term came from, but I'm really loving it these days. My ear brain is telling me. Um, so, but some people just have a, it's already kind of tuned and then uh, they take to it fairly easily. And, um, other people, work a little bit more effectively using the international phonetic alphabet like they want need the the symbols but then there are other people that those symbols don't they don't matter they don't they confuse things more than helping things so um yeah. i saw an interview with tom holland 
and he tends to play Americans in his roles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he said that he does it so much that now he sometimes forgets he's English and he'll, he'll just start speaking in an American accent and he'll catch himself. And it really trips oh, him out. He God. said, there That's are some so funny actors and actresses really are, are when you hear their, their real voice, their real accent, at least for me, I think, why no clue. Like Charlize Theron is a great yeah. example. Yeah. No, no idea. No, she's an excellent example. So I had a, an improv instructor in New York who, um, God bless him. Um, I was doing whatever improv exercise we were doing and every little bit of it that we did, I had a different accent for each little bit that we did. And then he said to me, I wonder what would happen if you just did it in your own voice. And I can remember looking at him and thinking, my own voice. And I had like, I remember what it felt like the second that he said that. And I was trying to puzzle through what that meant. And I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Like what? It was like synaptic misfire almost. Like oh, my own voice. My own. I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, That's hilarious. So I did. I did it. Like I tried anyway to drop whatever charactery thing I thought I needed to do, and I did a thing in my own voice. And I just, I just remember thinking it felt like you were saying it's like doing mask work. I felt at that time so vulnerable and like I had no protective coding of any kind and I was just like talking <laughs> and I like I almost couldn't get the words out because I was like I I know I don't know what this means <laughs> like it was anyway I, I get it. I totally get it. That's it's really fascinating. And I, you know, you were saying, I don't know. Do you do very many podcasts? And, and no, no. And I'm, and I know it's daunting <laughs> and weird to to be interviewed anyway, and then to do a podcast is like a whole other level of weird. And I thought, oh, I wonder, it wouldn't it be interesting when you said that? You know, if you get nervous, you, and French is your favorite accent, wouldn't it have been interesting if you did the whole accent? <laughs> During the whole interview, <laughs> but, you know, it might uh, come back every now and then. I don't know, but uh... <laughs> does it relax you to go into accents? If you have anxiety or anything like that, does it calm you? I think it does. I think it does. I think it, you know, I wouldn't have said that years ago. If somebody had said that to me, I would have said no. Now having had the experience of someone pointing out to me that I needed to speak in my own voice and now making a point to do that more, I, I feel less like I need the accents as a, a, a crutch. Like they really, I think they really were, you know, it took me a long time to realize that uh, I'm enough without needing to 
entertain people. And I would do the accents. It's kind of like, hey, let's do, we're doing some funny things now. Let's just like, you know, um, because I, whatever clowning sort of instinct I have. Uh, and it took me a minute to realize that it was okay to like not do that all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I get it though. I remember being 14 or 15, my best friend, Jill and I, we would go dance. We weren't supposed to because we were underage, but we would get fake IDs and we'd go dancing at the Scoochies, which was a bar in Seattle at the time for 18 year olds. Like, a, I think, I can't remember if they served alcohol there or maybe they, oh yeah, they, this is great. They put an X on your hand if you could drink. How hilarious oh, sure. is that? <laughs> Because that's not hard right. to mimic. Right, right. <laughs> but yep. we would go and and she would, I can't remember if I did it too, but I know she did it. She would pretend to be an English girl named Kate. Ooh. And and I think I pretended to be English as well, but I really can't remember if I tried a different accent. And we would pretend to be these girls from other countries. And it was such an armor. It was such a great protective measure <laughs> aside from that nobody knows your real name when you're using aside you know, from big, that yeah i mean so that's the best i love that i did i did something like that when i was in undergrad one of one of my friends wanted me to go to the bars with her and basically be her her wing woman and i wasn't really into it but I was like, didn't want to not go and support my friend. So I decided I was going to be from France and just pretend that I didn't speak English because <laughs> I didn't want the guys to like, I just didn't want to get hit on. I didn't want to try to meet anyone. I didn't want to, you know. Although a lot of guys would argue that's the perfect woman. One that doesn't speak. I guess, but in my brain, it was like, oh, I'll just be French and nobody will bother me. <laughs> didn't work <laughs> it didn't work you know there there were conversations that were had and i once i started being french i had to keep being french <laughs> and it was like okay it does feel like a to me i'm mean, i'm in awe of it so it feels to me like it, it's a superpower that you can go and be anyone that's so cool to me it's it's fun it's fun yeah and i just you know, just to ping back to this is like, it's fun. And also like, I get to do it for a living, which is Badass. like, what? Like, what? I just, I still, I keep just like pinching myself that this is like, I get to do this thing that I really love doing. Yeah. Um, what fun stuff are you working you know? on? Uh, I am right now, uh, continuing to work on the South African accent, um, <laughs> my continual journey with South African. Um, and, uh, other than that, I'm writing a lot of my own stuff at the moment. That's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm loving that. Are you and writing like comedy or serious stuff? What do you do? A, a little bit of both. Okay dramedy i guess we'll, yeah. we'll call it um and uh and i'm teaching and i'm coaching and mm -hmm. people have auditions that come up and they need stuff they call me which is always lovely and great i love that um if i ever get a role where i have to have an accent you're my first call amazing amazing i love it yeah <laughs> 
I love it. Um, and I just, just I love, uh, you know, all of that stuff. Um, yeah. It me it's honestly really just means a lot to me that that people think of me that they're, they're like I need help with this mm-hmm. and that I'm somebody that they think of that can help them with whatever it is. It's just super meaningful to me. So and it's so much fun. Yeah, right. It is like it's trying on different outfits. It's trying on different masks. It's it's what a what an adventure. How cool that you get yeah. to have a life like that. Yeah, it's really very cool. It's really very cool. Um, and also that Zoom is like, you know, during the pandemic even. Um, yeah. And that I can teach people globally, you know, is amazing. I have yeah. somebody, people in um, Australia who have contacted me for coachings and people in Japan and people in, you know, it's like, what? Wow. <laughs> Do you find that there's any particular country where the people are the best at the accents? I remember in class, there were a couple of women from New Zealand, and I was astounded at how good they were at oh, yeah. pretty much every accent, except they, they had some, they were some trickery over the English accent, which I thought to me, I'm like, oh, but that one's easy because <laughs> you know, I'm from here. Yeah. But I thought, wow, they're really adept at manipulating mm-hmm. sound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you, do you find that there's a particular uh, continent or country that is better than others? I, I haven't found that um, necessarily. I feel like it has more to do with the individual than um, the general yeah, country that they come from, but I don't know. It's possible another another dialectician might have a different opinion than I do. Sure. But um, do you use synesthesia at all? No, I do no. Not. Okay, I wondered if that was a thing for people that are really good at dialects because maybe they see. Wouldn't that be interesting? You saw it, if you yeah. if you had it and you, then it was to see every accent in a different color. That would be a cool. Do you know it's? I use that. I use tools like that in my coaching, but I don't, um, I don't think that I experience accents in that way, but uh, but I do use it to coach all the time. Like I'll say to people, okay, when we, when we say this sound, what does that feel like? Does that, is there a color? Does it it have a color? Does it have a taste? Does it have a, what does it smell like? You know, we we talk about things in that way a lot. Yeah. Get the other parts of the brain on board. Right. Again, again, because it's like it's such a physical thing. So we just try to find different ways to put it in the physical being. Right. Yeah. I love it. How can people find you? Good question. Um, Let's see. I am on Facebook. Uh, I am also on Instagram. Uh, The Cooper Shaw on Instagram. Um, I'm on the TikTok but I haven't quite figured out how to do the TikTok. <laughs> you know what? I love accent TikTok or accent talk where all I watch a lot of those where people go on there and, and power through all these different accents. They say the same sentence and just do it. And yeah. all, really there's some good ones on there. 
Yeah, I know. I'm obsessed with watching them and following them. I haven't jumped in and, and done my own contribution to that just yet. But um, uh, so uh, let's see, where else can people, I'm on Twitter, but I like hardly ever tweet. But um, Instagram and Facebook are probably, <laughs> you know. Really if somebody wants to, to reach out to you to, to get instruction, would that be the best way to do it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Instagram, probably. Yeah. You don't have a website or anything. I, it's a, currently under construction. Aren't we the all? The old website. <laughs> the <laughs> so, old website. The old website is currently under construction. But yeah, Facebook and Instagram are, are really great ways for people to find me, for sure. Well, I'll put links on heyhumanpodcast.com for people to, to check it out if they have any questions or maybe they want to take classes from you or, or yeah. get you coach, you know, have you be a coach for them on a project. That kind of thing. Awesome. Maybe they want yeah. a whole new identity and they have to become. Maybe. I mean, that's a good, good that's a, and I think that would be the FBI. Don't they put the people in? The, I was going to say, maybe I'm not tapping into it. I'm thinking <laughs> yeah, there's a whole market. Untapped potential here. Yeah. You could help people uh, to get whole new identities. What do they call it? Witness protection. Right. Right. Jeez. <laughs> you need to start applying to work with the government. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> get those government contracts, baby. Get them, get them. <laughs> get that money. <laughs> Cooper, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, thank you. Yeah, it's so interesting to me. And I love hearing all the different accents. I just think it's fascinating. I think you're super cool. So it's very cool. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. They're fun. They're fun to do. And like, I, <laughs> it's such a dumb thing. I'm aware that because this is what I do for a living, people are going to ask me to do them. But every time someone asks me to do them, I always go, oh, crap. <laughs> you feel on the spot. No, I get oh, that. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I get that. Anyway. Yeah. That's like stand-up comics always hear, say something funny. Or singers always hear, sing something. It's just right. Right. Everybody. Yeah. Right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Go out there and uh, try on a new accent. See what happens. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.